parents were visiting last week. My dad was telling me, he'd like told me part of this before, but he was expanding on it. Apparently there is this like young woman who works for him and started working there like a while back, like six months, a year ago. And she like commutes like an hour to work. And so my dad was all like, oh, you should listen to my daughter's podcast about cartoons because you like cartoons and you have a long commute. (laughs) And apparently she became like a faithful listener to the show. And at least based on what she tells my dad, who is granted her boss. So, (laughs) But apparently she listens to like every episode and is like recommending the show to other people who work there. (laughs) That's a trip. That's cute. That I, that that's a trip. I know, right? Like you wouldn't expect it. I had a so I had I don't a, know. Like shout out people who work at BD and Sumter who are listening to our show. I guess. I had a stu- I felt bad last week because I had a student who overheard me discussing that I had a podcast, and they were like, "Oh, you have a podcast!" And very quickly, I was like, "No, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, wait till after you're done with my class to listen to it." Um, <laughs> Because I don't want to be put on the spot for shit that I say during the course of this podcast in my in my class. Are you afraid you're going to get canceled? Yeah, yeah. I I just I know that somewhere in here there's a hot take that some enterprising student could could take somewhere, and I don't know. I'm just I'm probably just being paranoid. But, oh my god, no, but same, like, people I work with know that I have a podcast, but they do not know what it's called. Yeah, I very carefully didn't mention the name. Yeah, but definitely tell them when your class is done, because, you know, we'd always like more listeners. Yeah, there's that point at which there's no responsibility anymore. I'm just a in, in individual in the public domain. <laughs> Instead of your professor with uh you know limits on my job (laughs) (laughs) i can be fired (laughs) so yeah yeah it's not exactly i also wonder if the kid is like expecting you're like oh my psych professor has a podcast i bet it's like a really interesting like psychology podcast or something no and that is that is a, a tenth of what i do here so they they would be disappointed. Yeah. Okay. Well, so welcome to Animates. I'm Paige. I'm Chris. And uh, tonight, to follow up on our first anime episode ever, which we covered the seminal magical girl anime, Sailor Moon, we will be covering a modern, darker shorter magical girl anime in uh full title puella magi madoka magica or um also sometimes maho shoujo madoka magica which is literally just japanese for magical girl madoka magica and magic is said twice there (laughs) so um also, in the Japanese, there's a star symbol in the title. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, like, just... Amazing. I know, it, it is amazing. <laughs> but, um, for those of you who are uninitiated, I suggest you go watch the show first. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't, um, don't, because there's don't no listen. way to discuss this show without just completely and utter spoil, utterly spoiling it. And this is and sh- this is a show where spoilers really fucking matter too. They really matter. Yeah, like I don't, you don't want this spoiled for you. So just you know. right now, it is a normal, really fun, bouncy, magical girl anime. Go watch it. <laughs> uh, welcome back. If you just had to go take a break to go watch it. Uh, this is not a normal magical girl anime. No, not at all. First of all, when I was like an episode and a half in, I told Chris uh, that I would describe the aesthetic of the show as goth dada fairy tale. <laughs> and I still, I stand by that. It's like, it's like, okay, more specifically, it's kawaii goth dada fairy tale is the aesthetic of the show. <laughs> That's it. You know, add in a little bit of Cthulhu horror in the mix, and you've you've you keep the aesthetic into the end of the show. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But for those of you who are unfamiliar, Magical Girl is a very established genre of um, shoujo anime, and it it involves. I, I as a kid, I saw a card captor Sakura was one of the Magical Girl animes that was around for a while. Um, Sailor Moon, of course, uh, as a really big one. God, the, the list of these shows just goes on and on and on and on. But needless to say, only a couple would be known to Western audiences that aren't intentionally going and finding all of these shows. Um, yeah, and just assuming that you haven't already listened to our Sailor Moon episode where we we talked about it a fair amount, just know that a magical girl anime, pretty much any magical girl anime, you're going to have young girls, usually middle school aged, uh, who have transformation sequences in which their magical powers kick in and that allows them to fight monsters of some type. Um. Fun fact for those of you who have seen the show, apparently Kill the Kill is rated as a Magical Girl show, which based on that framework you just said makes sense, but it definitely doesn't feel like it should be in that genre. Um, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't feel right to me either. It, it's it, it it's completely, yeah. Um, I think because it more mirrors like a shonen it does. It has. It feels like a shonen. But um, this it, it's been like Sailor Moon is the best example of this in tone and in tropes. So with Sailor Moon, like it, it's not that Sailor Moon happened to be emotionless or without its um bad stuff like bad stuff happening in the show but but deaths are few and far between generally speaking sailor moon's life continues to go on she's got her family and her friends and they all love each other and yeah they fight against the megaverse but everything usually ends up okay in the end no matter how bad it looks there's no twists and turns that postmodern audiences would expect the stories are pretty linear and straightforward and those aren't necessarily bad things 
But and this is not like that. What oh, he is building to is that this is not like that at all, at all in any way. I liken it to when I was a kid, I watched a lot of Saturday morning cartoons and the superhero cartoons would be on at that time. And those cartoons share a surprisingly similar amount of stuff with Sailor Moon. And overall, those shows would end the same. Shit would be bad for a little bit. It was serialized for the most part. There's usually like a big battle at the end of the season. Everything ended up okay. Everybody had their family and their friends. And you know, shit just, shit was just, the baseline was good, was, was, was good. Nobody was psychologically traumatized. Um, <laughs> um, there wasn't any cosmic horror happening. Just like, this is not like those shows at all. And that is why it is so, part of why it's so lauded for what it is. So uh, before we get deeper into that, um, the show, like many shows, was a manga first. Um, ultimately, oh wait, just kidding. I lied. This is one of those weird cases where the manga came second. Yeah, every once in a while you get an anime that just gets made somehow without having been a manga or a visual novel or anything or a light novel or anything first. Um... And then sometimes it'll be really, really popular, and then they will make a manga, and this is one of those. Yeah, so, uh, sorry, the default is typically manga to anime. Just like with really big shows, that's been the, been the, the, that's just the way it happens. Yeah, if you're familiar with anime at all, you're aware of that, that most anime were originally typically manga, but also sometimes um, light novels or visual novels. Visual novels, sometimes very sexy visual novels um, <laughs> that I have not played, to be fair. Um, but I, I know friends <laughs> who, who have. Um, so What if they made an anime based off of Hatful Boyfriend? I... I um, I'm fully expect so they've been making like a lot of dating sims that are um, how do I say it that are made for with like anthropomorphized animals that I'm fully expecting that to happen in the future. But dude, the bird the birds are not even anthropomorphized; <laughs> they're just normal birds. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I would play it. But only if it had non-sexy parts. Hotful Boyfriend's hilarious. Like, I honestly do think they should make an anime out of Hotful Boyfriend. I would watch an anime. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So this anyway. show... Yeah, so so it it's important to understand that it started as a show. Um, because this, this means that, like, there was a writer and a director who were not attempting to carry out a vision that was pre-established. That, from the get-go, director is very important in, in this process. So, it was written by Jin Urobuchi, who worked with... There were two, direct, there were two directors listed for the show... The one I hear more often about is Akiyuki Shinobu, 
Um, but the other is Yukihiro Miyamoto. And these, uh, this will become important later because there's a very specific moment later in the show where a director had a very, very big influence on how something turned out. But ultimately speaking, um, oh, I also want to give a shout out to, so the music was done by Yuki Kajura, who it's important that I say this because she does a lot of music for a lot of really kick-ass shows. And it shows in the design of the show itself. So just really good. Uh, if any of you have watched the Fate series stuff, like a lot of those were music was done by her. She did. Uh, uh, she did. I knew it sounded familiar. Yeah, she did Kara no Kyokai um, as well. I guess in the West, people would be more familiar with the name Garden of Sinners. But she, you know, I will say the music is really important to it as well, because I would say in the first episode where you get the feeling you're like, oh, this is going to be like maybe a little bit darker and like more sad stuff is going to happen. But it's still pretty cute. And the ED is reflecting that it's like a cute song. And then the second episode, you're like, no, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be very intense and dark and fucked up. And the music immediately reflects that the music is really intense. And the ED stays like this really intense song for the rest rest of the show that that's a hallmark of the the music that is in the stuff she does mm -hmm. um, also a Japanese female composer so shout out in in that regard too um, shaft is the studio that did it and shaft is a pretty well-known studio um, they've done uh, a number of things in the past um, and other than that, do you have anything to say about the makeup of the show? Like uh, the folks who worked on it, you mean? Yes. I don't. Unfortunately, I just don't know enough about the studios and people who make anime to really have much to say about it. I mean, if anybody is familiar with Monogatari, they're the ones who did, who've done that show. So... Uh. Yeah. Um, so other than that, we can talk mostly about the show itself, which for like a show, it is short. Well, okay. So it's only 12 episodes, which is 12 episodes usually a even movie. a single season anime is 13 episodes. Like 12 with a movie. So it's 18, really. Like the yeah. movie is two hours long. So it's really an 18 episode show which is not too bad like there are a lot of like a lot of really good anime are only maybe 26 episodes long uh evangelion was like that um kill a kill everything like watanabe that. ever does is 26 episodes long and he's the master you know yeah there's something there's something very important i like having that timeline because things tend to move pretty fast, which is nice when you've got some really good drama going on. But um, aside from the short length, things start out pretty slow, which you wouldn't think they'd have time to go slow in a show like this, but, but they do. And it is very important to underscoring the setup 
This is a magical girl anime. Look at these cute middle school girls. Isn't this great? Um, you know, they do a really good job of establishing their psychology. I think their psychology is super important in the show and having them just little girls who are friends. It's so cute. And there's mm -hmm. this weird cat chasing them around that never blinks. And isn't that fun? Yeah, and they do a really good job of saying, like, no, these girls are, they're little girls. They're, like, at oldest, like, maybe 13 years old. Madoka sleeps with a bunch of stuffed animals in a pretty pink room. They seem a lot more like middle schoolers than even the characters in Sailor Moon did. Well, and yeah, Sailor Moon had legs. And these girls do not have legs. Yeah, there's like one Nami. girl with big old anime titties, but mostly they're not like super sexualized. And she's explicitly like a ninth grader. Yeah, the oldest one has big old anime titties, but then the rest of them just kind of look not normal because they're anime, but like they're not super sexualized. They don't have chests. No, not more so than would be like reasonable for a girl in early adolescence. Those of you out there who are not familiar with the anime genre may ask us, why are you talking about 13-year-olds and their boobs? <laughs> uh, you clearly do not have enough experience with the anime industry. And I, I simply say to you, I agree that we shouldn't be talking about that. But we will and do because it is apparently a thing. Um... We're not going to get into that right now. So they do a really, uh, the girls are, they establish their personalities pretty strongly. Some are more feisty, some are more shy. I think I, Madoka stands, her name is Madoka, and she stands in as a very ah, cutesy, I, I, I would have to say she is almost intentionally like a boilerplate magical girl protagonist she's sort she's keanu she's a blank mask you know Sword, she she's break. sweet and she's you know she's sweet without being overly so and thoughtful without being overly so and she um you know is she's like everything that you want the heroine to be without being any of those things too intensely and she's She's defined primarily by her relationship to others, um, particularly other women, like her mother and her friends. In, in a way, I would argue that she's not really the protagonist. No, I don't think so either. That's the thing, is it tricks you, it tricks you into thinking she's the protagonist for like almost the whole show, and she's not. Like, I think I, I think I texted you when I was like seven episodes in, I'm like, Dude, this bitch still isn't a magical girl yet. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, so initially, um, they set up the facade really convincingly. And, and they use music to such a great extent because uh, they really show that music has the power to dictate the framework you use to approach a scene. Um so they're, they're out one night and weird shit starts happening to them. Uh, so, okay, so Madoka and her friend Sayaka are the two that we meet and they're normal 
and they experience some weird shit in a mall. And Madoka finds this weird cat thing being chased by this girl. And it's all really mysterious. And you're like, what's going on here? But it's super confusing. And you're not supposed to really understand what's happening. And Madoka, being the kind-hearted but not too kind-hearted person that she is, right? she runs up and she saves the cat. And this weird girl with long black hair looks really mean. And... She runs away. So Madoka takes in this cat, which at this point looks really cute. And it calls back... Okay, so magical girls have some kind of supernatural companion. Mm-hmm. So for Sailor Moon... Think about Luna It was Sailor Luna. Um, and Cardcaptor Sakura is like this bear-lion thing. But this is, this is like a standard thing that comes with the whole package. And they... Ultimately, um, the cat starts talking, like, the cat can talk into Madoka's head. And so it never talks and it always cocks its head and and she nurses it back to health. And it's like, thank you for saving me. I don't know what the fuck that girl's problem was. And it, it starts talking about, like, I can grant you a wish and in exchange you will become a magical girl. And, um... Initially, like, it's explained that they're in danger, and and this really, um, this really optimistic music plays. It's like, if you're a magical girl, you can fight these terrible things. And wouldn't that be- Witches. They call them witches Yeah, they call them witches, and wouldn't that be great? And you're like, yeah, this makes total sense. Like, I too were I a middle school girl- would totally do that because doesn't that sound fun yeah and they meet this like girl who's a couple years older than them and goes to their school and her name is mommy um which like i don't know (laughs) like i feel like it's uh relevant that her name is mommy (laughs) (laughs) but um and she's like really cool and sweet to them and they see her being a badass and like being a magical girl and vanquishing wishes, witches, and it seems really cool. And they seem like they, oh yeah, I definitely want to hang out with her and do what she does. And she tells them, well, you don't have to make a decision right away. It's a really big deal. Why don't you like hang out with me for a few days while I do my magical girl thing, and you can see if it's something you really want to do. I also want to say that you made an excellent Freudian slip. When you said that she fights wishes. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you totally did. Oof. Uh, oof. Yeah, big oof. So, <laughs> uh, so we get our setup. And at this point, the facade is structured and they slowly start tearing it apart. The, the music, as I was saying earlier is there to assuage all of your fears. It is there to make you feel that this is normal. This is how the story is supposed to progress. Nobody's in danger. Look at how cool mommy is. Everything is great. Um, And then like halfway, two thirds of the way through, I think episode two, mommy fucking dies. She just straight up gets killed by a witch and she's 
dead and she's gone and she's not coming back. Um, yeah, so I think uh, leading up to this point, so we see that like witches are a really big deal and they're very powerful and they're very dangerous. They have the ability to make normal people sort of go nuts and attempt to kill themselves in a variety of very terrible ways. Up until this point, it should be stated that Homura is introduced and she's the girl that was chasing Kyubei eventually and she's introduced as, oh, here's this person from a trans... And it's always a transfer student. Like, Japanese anime with, with school kids always starts with a fucking transfer student. It's always, <laughs> like, it's like everything else, that's the only status quo breaker that we're given is just look at this transfer student anyway uh, she's introduced as really intense and she goes straight up to Madoka at some point and says do you care about everything you, you know do you care about your family and your friends and the life that you have and she's like duh and homeowner is like don't accept the wish and yeah and she says this to Madoka in like the first 10 minutes of the show like before we've met Kyube we don't know what's happening she's just like saying this thing to Madoka like seemingly out of left field yeah it, it, it feels like there's context we don't have but that's how it is supposed to be and and so the big struggle that's set up is is this person who's clearly a magical girl telling Madoka that she shouldn't become one. Yeah, and you don't... Because at first, Kyubei presents it as like it's a good thing. And also, if you're familiar with other magical girl shows, it's always kind of like a good thing to become a magical girl. Like you need a team of other magical girls who become your friends and stuff. But I think very quickly, you know, before we even meet Kyubei or Mommy, Homer is saying, don't do this. Um, you know, we know that's what she's referring to. And then mommy dies like really quickly. And then next episode, another magical girl comes to town to sort of deal with the fact that mommy is dead now and somebody needs to do with it. And her name is uh, uh, Sakura, Kyoko Sakura. And Kyoko lets us know that magical girls fight each other all the time because there's a personal gain element uh, involved with killing witches. It's not just for being good. And so sometimes magical girls will fight each other and they usually work alone and don't get along. So in the first three episodes, it's immediately just sort of like shredding apart all of your expectations about how this is supposed to work and creating a growing sense of unease uh, about maybe this isn't such a good idea for Sayaka and Madoka to get involved in yeah so let's just give a shout out to mommy doesn't just like die and like a, oh i'm on the ground and i'm covered in scuffs and my heart gives out no bitch gets her head fucking cut off like bit off like it just shows like the witch comes down over her and all of a sudden you see the bottom of her body with her feet dangling in the air and her body just kind of like jerks and flops like it's it's distressing and uh, to their credit, at this point, the psychology of the characters really starts to diverge in interesting, realistic ways. Because at this point, Madoka has resisted the call to become a magical girl numerous times from Kyubei. And 
Also, Cubase music starts to change and the things that he starts to say become more and more alien, kind of like if you were talking to an AI that doesn't quite understand what's happening in the way that humans do. And, if, and now we're like, wow. So, and Madoka is guilt racked and Sayaka starts to also um, be really guilt racked too. And at this point, they're both resisting the call. Sayaka isn't resisting because Homura tells her to. She's resisting because she doesn't know what to wish for. And mommy has told them, you really need to wish for something for yourself. And... You need to make sure that you make the right wish. So we already get the impression that like mommy knows things that she's not really telling them. And it's yeah, it's just all of this stuff that we're like expecting just doesn't happen. And it very quickly starts getting torn down and we meet um, our new magical girl. And at this point, Sayaka gets on her own psychological path, which is full of very negative emotions while Madoka is mostly being held at bay by Homura, who keeps showing up right before Madoka is about to make a wish. Kyubei is relentless. <laughs> and at that point, I think after like the, the sixth time, Homura is like, why won't you fucking listen to me? <laughs> um, and Kyubei, and at that point, Kyubei has started to like talk about really weird things like power and energy and emotions and like how um madoka like madoka could be the most powerful magical girl in the world apparently so um eventually sayaka makes a wish on somebody else's behalf so this is a very interesting point that I think um, the show in this sense is very individualistic um, because, I mean, there are, there are supernatural qualities to this, but mommy too, and part of the idea that you should make a wish for yourself and they go into a couple of examples of how wishing for other people always ends badly. And it's not quite a monkey's paw thing. It's more that you don't really understand other people like you think you do. And you're making a wish based on assumptions and those assumptions will come back to destroy them or you or both. Yeah. Like to be very clear, because I think it's relevant to the emotional tone of the show. Um, you know, Sayaka makes her wish based on someone else uh, for, for the benefit, for the betterment of someone else and she's not getting along with Kyoko. They're sort of having it out and fighting. And Kyoko wants to try and, you know, have a chat with her, basically. And basically tells her she made a wish on behalf of her father that eventually unraveled into her father killing her entire family and himself and her, like, being homeless and not having any food. And that's why her character is constantly eating. Like... <laughs> And, and, and that's in like episode five. Sayaka makes a wish for a boy that she loves to regain his ability to play the violin. And he eventually. Okay. So there's this really big thing where it's like, once you become a magical girl, you can never go back. 
which is oftentimes a divide not truly represented in other shows. Like there are problems with being a magical girl, like it disrupts your life a little bit, but ultimately they're, they're able to maintain their life. And very quickly, mommy imparts like, no, this, you learn that she was super isolated and that she, she was so happy to have other people join because she was finally not alone. So it takes that expectation and just cuts it to shreds. And Sayaka makes this wish on this boy's behalf and she realizes I can't date him because I am a magical girl. Uh, and at this point, they also learn something really uh, terrible about being a magical girl. But... Um, well, yeah, I think that's when, like, I, I think that, you know, we're sort of following the plot and revealing the really upsetting things that get revealed in sequence. And I think this is when they learn about their soul gems and why they, uh, that, um, I don't think they've learned yet about why they need to use the soul gems to cleanse, the grief gems to, the grief seeds to cleanse their soul gems. But I think this is about when they learn that <laughs> their bodies like aren't real. Yeah. So, uh, they, they, Magical girls have always been like, we're people with magic. And this is like, no, you are fucking not a human anymore. And Yeah, like they have this little thing called a soul gem. And apparently like that is you now. And your body is basically just a meat puppet for your soul gem. And you can't get too far away from it or else your body will just like shut down and not work. So they can't live in the human world anymore. And this really sends Sayaka into a really bad place where she eventually decides, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to be a hero of justice and I'll just keep going without considering my own needs. And I won't is, use the grief seed to cleanse my soul gem or anything because I shouldn't be in this for any kind of personal gain. I should just be trying to be a hero because it's the right thing to do. Which is a very common trope. It's often extolled in stories like this. Like Sailor Moon is like, I fight for the moon and justice and blah, 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 blah. Um, so in this case, they, they show a super twisted version of this idea. Cause at this point, Sayaka has started to get mad at Madoka. She's like, fuck you. You could be helping me, but no, I have to take all this on. So she develops a martyr complex. And this 13 year old girl just descends into like a dark pit of madness. And I think and that's really the point where you're like, yeah, this is a story that will not end well for any of these people. Yeah, it's like getting more and more distressing. And still, even though everything's like fucked up, I'm still like, how are they going to solve this problem? And then, it gets boom, it turns out that uh, magical girls are simply the uh, larval stage of witches. Yeah. And if you become that every magical girl becomes too despairing and too hopeless because of everything that she has to go through and her soul gem, bec gem becomes too corrupted, 
and she transforms into a witch. Uh, uh, I should say, by this point, this stuff happens. Um, the girl that we thought was a was like the they do this really great thing where we think that um, one of these characters is really bad, but she's actually like the most stable and durable and tries to help Sayaka the most. Uh, so it's like very interesting that you think, oh, wow, this person's going to be trouble. And then, nope, they end up being the most stable out of all of them, which is cool. I like that a lot. But Kubei at this point has started talking about like, oh, you become witches. And they, they go like really far out there. Like e even at this I'm never, you never stop being surprised at how far they deviate off the path yeah. of what you expect. So you learn that they turn into witches, but the reason that they turn into witches is like some fucking pseudoscience bullshit that I love. I love it. Um, it's like some alien culture is trying to create like energy because like. Entropy. Um, because of entropy. Of entropy or whatever. And the way that they create energy is by, like, the energy that's generated at the moment that a magical girl transforms into a witch or something. So it's basically, like, they create an a intergalactic source of power by torturing teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you say it like that, it is so absurd. But no, they're like, yeah, we we studied humanity. They have such strong emotions, so they were good candidates for this. And we discovered that the strongest swings between happiness and despair were in pubertal girls. Hmm. Um, so you're like, wow. That was just a really long-winded way of saying you're torturing teenage girls for energy. It's like, it's really fucked up. And it's basically, when you learn that, you learn like, oh my god, yeah, so basically being a magical girl is, I guess you're kind of helping ordinary people who might wander into a witch's labyrinth or want to kill themselves. But mostly, as a magical girl, you will be driven to the greatest depths of despair you will go mad you will lose all of your hope um, and be psychologically tortured simply by living after you've made this choice and then the result of all that is to become the terrifying and dangerous thing which you have been fighting this whole time it's so great it's it is a such a heavy dose of existentialism it's just, wow, look at everything you think is meaningful, and it's just meaningless. All of this is meaningless. And Cubase like, no, you're giving such, you're giving so much energy to all these other people, and you're just like, fuck you, dude. Cubase becomes the worst villain in anime history. No, not the yeah. worst, but really fuck bad. Like, like, fuck Cubase. Seeing him get killed over and over is really fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you learn out, you know, Homer calls him incubator. It's Cuba short for incubator. And so around this time, we've learned that um, Homer starts mentioning Walpurgis Noct, which is basically like the biggest, most intense witch in the world and is going to show up in their city at a certain point. And she knows because of statistics or whatever. Uh, and so they're going to have to fight it. But everything is completely falling apart around them. So, like, they're all psychologically falling apart. 
Um, Mommy's dead. Sayaka's dead. I think Kyoko also dies at some point during she, all of this. She dies killing Sayaka. Yeah, she dies killing Sayaka. Like, Sayaka becomes a witch. And so Kyoko, like, in a moment of, like, really touching sort of, like, mercy, Which sacrifices we, herself to kill Sayaka, basically. Can we just, like, so, like, just going back to the existential part, let's talk, like, the scene where Sayaka turns into a witch is really fucking terrible. It's really distressing. It's really, <laughs> like, it's it's so real. That's the problem with it. The scene, so she's on a train, and she's already trying to deal with all of this. She, her soul gem is almost fully corrupted. She's coping with the fact that one of her friends is now chasing her, the boyfriend she wanted. And she's sitting on a train at night, and there are two, like, fucking young men who sound like they're in the fucking Yakuza. Um... They are sitting on the train and they're talking about their girlfriends as if they're sluts and property and they're and bitches and hoes just, and talking just, about the best way to abuse your girlfriend, essentially. It's like it's a conversation you can imagine hearing late at night on a subway. It's it's complete. It's so like it's super raw and it's very real. And you're it, it's just. It's like, look, so everyone lives their head in the clouds thinking about justice and magic and fighting girls. And this is like what you have to face after all of that toil and struggle. This is what you're protecting. And it's, oh, man. Like, it is, it is, it's it's a stroke of genius. It's stomach turning. Yeah, it's, it's, um, if I wasn't already like thinking about meaninglessness of stuff, like I just have had those conversations with myself for a long time now, I would <laughs> I would have a lot of trouble coping with that because <laughs> uh, it was really fucking bad. Uh, so she kills him, and she becomes a witch. Does she? Yeah, she does. She totally okay. does. There's okay. the there's the slicing blood curdling noise that that happens. Okay, I think I missed that. And she turns into a witch and a friend's fighter. Madoka still hasn't accepted the offer to become a magical girl because Homura has started featuring more prominently taking over space that Madoka doesn't take over. And we get more and more into like Homura's motivations because she seems to be obsessed with Madoka and what's going on with her and saving her. And eventually she becomes the protagonist. Like, Monica has a choice to make, but we move to all of this struggle as her. And we find out that she's been, she has the power to go through time. And Homura does. Homura Homura has time magic. And she's been going through multiple timelines to try and stop. We find out Monica will become a witch. As we already know. Like, sometimes it's Monica dies. And sometimes it she uh, becomes like a like a really intense witch. Like apparently in one timeline, it's like, ah, oh, well, she went from being the most powerful magical girl to the wickedest witch, and it'll only take her three days to destroy this planet. That's one of the timelines. Okay, so I want to point out something. They do something really cool with Kube when he's talking to Madoka. He's like, listen, one day humans are going to reach the stars. 
And don't you want that universe to be full of things instead of just like an entropic wasteland? And then in the same, in a different timeline, Homer's like, well, aren't you going to stop it from destroying the Earth? And he was like, no, why would we do that? So um, all that fucking alien benevolence that they, they talk about, like, consent. We always get your consent. We give you a wish in return. They talk about it like they're, like, at the end of it's the day. It's not informed consent. No, no, you know, no, they no. Talk, but it's like, yeah, absolutely well, we not. We wish and we get your permission to do it, but it's like under false pretenses, dude. You don't actually tell them what the deal is. Yeah, so, like, they, they, all of it is, like, to me, I, I truly think I truly think the writers must think that that is what an emotionalist race would be like. Whereas I'm like, no, they know what they're doing. Are you kidding? They don't care. They 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 like created this system to give to an IRB back on their planet, and that IRB is like, oh, sounds good. You give them so much stuff. And, and they don't actually do any of what they said. Or they do it in such like, um, they do it like a devil would. Yeah, it's literally, it's like a monkey's paw situation. It's a genie situation. So it, either the writers of the show literally don't grasp that a civilization that advanced would have better ideas of how to treat a conscious species, or they intended it to be full of hypocrisy. And I think they intended it to be full of hypocrisy. Which is a very common theme in Japanese stuff. Uh, more anime specifically. So yeah, I think they, it, it had to, it has to be full of hypocrisy. And Homura is fighting against Kyubei and she's trying to stop Madoka from becoming a fucking magic girl. But in order to do that and save her, she has to beat Wilpurgis Schnacht. And... We find out that Homura loves, like, this is fucking full-on girl love, man. It's definitely gay. It's beautiful gay girl love. And it not it great? Um, <laughs> some fucking straight nonsense out there being like, oh, they're just really good friends. I'm like, mm. <laughs> No, it's not. No. no it's, it's a lesbian thing. It's, it's a not lesbian thing. Friendship. Like... So like, but like, it's really, it's really heartbreaking because we basically get a whole episode of like Homura going back through time again and again and again, because the first time sort of they were all already magical girls when she transferred in and she like became a magical girl with them. And then everybody fucking died. Um, and uh, Madoka died last and she basically promised Madoka the first time that she would she would fix it. And so she's lived the same period of time so many times trying every different way to save Madoka from either just straight dying or from becoming a witch. And it's so sad. And so and she never she never can make it happen. It never, ever works. And so now we see her in this current timeline. She relives it again and she is basically she fails again because Madoka makes a wish to become a magical girl but what she does this is okay this this is one of those moments where like suspension of disbelief 
like they start throwing out concepts that haven't existed in the show until this moment. <laughs> um, Cube start talk starts talking about karmic threads of destiny, and you're like, what? But it's okay. Um, so basically, Homura figures out the monkey paws part of her wish, which was to give her the power to go and save Madoka. The monkey's paw part of her wish, the reason that this is all going horribly wrong, increasingly so, is because every time she goes back in time, there's a moment where it it's all tied to Madoka. Like, all the threads of fate lead to her. And so what happens is that with each thread laid on the tapestry, each time she goes back, this, like, thread of destiny of, like, uh, inertia. I, w I think inertia would have been a better word for them to use, personally. But this inertia keeps gathering around Madoka. So this the Timelines are, like, collapsing onto the point that is Madoka. Yeah, so all of this metaphysical energy that Homura keeps building almost guarantees that Monica will become a stronger and stronger magical girl and subsequently a witch. Yeah, she becomes a black hole of magic, essentially. She's like a, a super dense uh, point of magic energy in the universe, basically. And so by the time of the timeline that we are watching this in, um, Monica, basically, Kyube says whatever thing Madoka wished for, like the anything that she could possibly conceive of to wish for, she would be powerful enough to make that thing happen. Basically, like there has never been anything more powerful than Madoka's wish potential, essentially. So like you do, you change the laws of the universe. <laughs> Uh, Monica essentially she, becomes a god. She becomes a god. Yeah, she becomes, she wishes that there would be no more witches, essentially, but not that there would be no more magical girls. So in the words of the show, she becomes merely a concept that destroys witches. And, and all is, the, the universe is rewritten to account for this fact. Man, I don't know why. Okay, so there are numerous holes with this idea that can only be filled by the idea that she's an idealistic young girl and couldn't conceive of a way more direct path to what she wanted. I wish the incubators never existed. Yeah, because it's like basically what happens is she becomes a god who there are still magical girls who fight wraiths now which are just like some kind of like negative energy manifestation so there's still magical girls they're still creating energy for uh the incubators they're fighting these wraith things but when they're they and they still become like full of despair <laughs> like psychological torture but at that moment rather than turning into a witch they simply just disappear um you know because it's like and it shows like Monica going through like all of history and all these like Joan of Arc, you know, as a magical girl and all these magical girls, like in their moment when they're about to transform, she just is like there soothing them and like subsuming them into a part of her, basically. She's Jesus. She's literally Jesus. Yeah, basically. She's she literally becomes a god and you're like, oh that's nice. But somehow like 
everybody else forgets forgets that anything was ever different because Madoka yeah, has we, rewritten all of history and the rules of the entire universe. But Homura, presumably to do with her time magic, yeah, remembers. Yeah, we play, we play by Doctor Who rules. You, you, you go into the timey-wimeyness, your brain works differently. Uh, and you can remember timelines that never existed. So, um, ultimately speaking, Madoka becomes Jesus... And like, like, so the thing about her power is that it's paradox fixing. The reason that she rewrites the laws of the universe is to allow for the paradox to occur. Um, because if there were never witches, how did she become, you know, you just like it, the ant cause and effect are completely invalidated. So Monica has the ability to invalidate cause and effect. So why doesn't she just fucking get rid of the incubators? literally the straightest shot possible to what she wants. Because she's fucking 12. I, I don't know, know dude. She like, doesn't, she doesn't want, she doesn't even consider the idea about killing a bunch of aliens. But no, no, you fucking kill those aliens. Yeah. Like, well, and then Jesus Christ, so you think you're like, oh, okay, like that's kind of like sad, like that like Madoka's not like a person in the world anymore. But like, and that's sad for Homura, but like, that's okay, I guess. Like, I guess it had a happy ending. She's still um, conscious. And that things are okay, but no, no. Then there's a movie. Yeah, so Monica is still conscious. Like, she's, a, she's, they, they make it so like, oh, she's just a concept and she doesn't really exist anymore. But no, Monica is like a conscious being still. So she's, she's just, she's a god. Like, your concept of what a god is like, she's that. So just like, yeah, that's fine. And, and we learned that the witches go to her. So it's not like she's alone. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a happy ending that they then, like, just stomp into a million fucking pieces with that movie, which I'm still not sure I understand. The the, the end of the show is, like, Homura is saying we have to fight for Madoka's sake, and Kyubei's like, who the fuck is Madoka? Because Kyubei is still around, and <laughs> just the biggest mistake. That's the yeah, one Homer mistake. Yeah, and explains everything that happened to Kyubei, by the way. Yeah. She tells him all of it. Yeah, Homer's like, they used to have witches. Like, they're like, could you do witches? And Kyubei's like, that's a very interesting concept. But no, the laws of the universe don't allow for that. And so the movie happens, and it basically replays the show from the beginning. Except they're already magical girls, and Mommy's alive, and Sayak is not a witch. And they fight nightmares. And the movie is super disorienting. It's like a fucking acid trip the whole time through. And then you realize that the reason it feels like a fucking acid trip the whole time through is because, oh, it's not real. It's, I guess, a simulation. It's a And then once labyrinth. you realize that and she's trying to sort that out, it's like, oh, no, it's exactly what you kind of thought when it first started and you were confused. It is just like a witch's labyrinth. It is a labyrinth. It's Homer's labyrinth. Homer is trapped a witch. inside her own fucking labyrinth. Yeah, so fucking Cubase is like, yo, we were very interested in what you were talking about. So we put your soul gem in a in a in a containment chamber and you internalized an internal labyrinth that you invited in all the people in the story. And in this labyrinth, everybody is living their life, and we're waiting to study this law of the universe that you call Madoka, because we need it in a place where we can observe it, so we can mess it up. Um, we can trap it. And they, they're, yeah, they want to be able to interfere with Madoka's wish. 
So and um, basically turn it back to doing witches, like exactly what everything was fucking for in the show. They want to just undo it all. Anyway, um, the so okay, there's a very interesting moment towards the end of the movie where they like Monica bro, she didn't come in unwittingly. She came into Homura's gym to save her with witch Sayaka and one of the witches who killed Mommy. They all came in to rescue her, but they forgot why they came in. And at the end of the movie, they remember as Homura fully becomes a witch and they fight her and they try to free her from the containment chamber. And Homer's it's like, like intense and upsetting and really cool looking, I will say. Homer's like, no, don't do it. They're going to interfere with you. And Monica's is like, I would never leave a friend behind. And it's like, wow, the show, as dark as it is, is really going to come up with some nice ending, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And so they eventually break out. And Homura, they, they break the containment chamber, and it looks like they're ready to... Madoka's ready to take her back. That was how it was supposed to end. Like, literally, that was how the writer wanted it to end. I was reading about this. Well, that would have been nice. Urobuchi wanted a happy ending. Hap- happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the director, and this is why I said that directors have a really big influence on what happens, insisted on a twist. Okay, that makes sense why, like, I found the twist kind of confusing in addition to being upsetting. Um, So I think it kind of helps that, like, the director was like, nah, we should do this, kind of uh, sheds a little light on why it feels a little bit confusing. So... Homura steals, like, she goes all fucking, like, evil. Like, not evil. Insane with love. And she takes Monica's power and rewrites the universe again. And Yeah, it's, like, it's weird. She, like, basically... She rewrites the universe so, like, there's a small piece of Madoka that is, like, attached to her forever and she has like sort of her own little universe bubble where that small little Madoka piece and also Sayaka um, and I think like Mani and Bebe and uh, Kyoko are also just like trapped in there with her forever. And it's just like they live on a really weird earth. They live on earth and they live out their lives and it's the implications of all of that are never discussed. Yeah, and it's confusing because it's like she's like, okay, so if Madoka is like the a concept of goodness, like I am the concept of evil now. And it's basically it's just like, okay, she became so attached to Madoka that she couldn't let her go. So she basically rewrote all of the laws of the universe to create a sort of side bubble universe with a small piece of Madoka and herself and a couple of these other people's souls in this acid trip earth environment, but they still like all hate her and don't want to do anything with her because they know exactly what she did. So she's going to have to like continue to fight them inside of her own earth bubble. It's confusing. Like it didn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. So 
this is one of those times where <laughs> the more I watch it, the more I, I'm like, yes, okay. I'm cool with that being one of the endings. I think if they were to do a sequel, which apparently there's talks about doing a sequel, I think that that would be like, well, this is one possible ending, but we're going to have another ending too. Um, yeah. And she's like, we're going to, she's going to keep an eye on the incubators and she fucking beats up Cube and destroys like a bunch of incubators. So in that sense, I was very happy. That's true. The incubators do deserve to die. <laughs> and she, so Homer is like, we're going to, we're going to keep an eye on you fuckers. And she does. And basically, Homer's like, listen, we're going to live in this world, and Madoka's concept will continue to save witches. It's li- we don't know if it's lip service or not, because she's talking to Sayaka. We don't, we don't know if that's true or not. We kind of have to take it on faith. But eventually, Homer's like, are you going to, f- like, will you, will you continue to want to save people? She asks Madoka a question, and Madoka's like, yes. She's like, well, I guess you two one day will become my enemy. And it's just like, this is one of those times where I think they were trying to be like, look at how bad love can be. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of the only way I can make it really make sense is to say that, like, again, because, like, Homura is so bound up with Madoka that by the time that because she was so bound up with Monica and is the only one who can remember that her own like sort of like karmic density is so is so high that the insanity that comes with becoming a witch which is usually fixed by the concept Monica because she's so tied to it already like cannot fully work for her she can only be like partially saved you know, that, like, she, like, because of that connection that she can't actually be cleansed the way that all other witches are. That's sort of the only way I can make it, like, make sense with the internal It's because she doesn't become a witch. She doesn't become a witch. What? That's part of the weird thing, is that once on the outside, out of her soul gem, she doesn't become a witch. They explicitly, Kyubei says that she becomes something else. Because... Witches are supposed they say in the, the the show that witches are a product of curses. And what yeah. produces Homura isn't a curse, it's love. She states that it is love. Yeah. So she she like, metaphysically it's, like, it's implied that metaphysically she becomes something more akin to what Monica did, except instead of like a wish, it's love. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't. It's not internally consistent. It's just, <laughs> and it's not like the show show is super internally consistent anyway. But I just like have a like I might have to watch it again. But I'm like I don't know, dude. This doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> and it's also very sad, like because like Homer tried so hard and like failed so many times, and to see that in a way happen to her, it's upsetting. In a way, it just capitulates the ultimate point of meaninglessness. Yeah, it's like, sad. This anime will make you sad, dude. Ultimately, every good act will be tainted, eroded, destroyed. This is for children. <laughs> it, it will. Okay, so part of the one of the themes of the show is duality, dark, light, 
energy, good energy, bad energy. Entropy, I mean, entropy is like core. In a way, entropy is the core theme of the show. And in that sense, the good will be eroded, so will the bad. Like, everything will decay into nothing. And that's exactly what happens thematically, is that everything ends up being terrible. Like, eventually, Homer's thing will decay, too. Yeah. So it's sort of and like... I, I think that's where, like, another season could come in, is the, the pendulum swing against Homura. Which is still really sad because she's very relatable and you root for her so hard until the end. Well, and even then, I don't know. I have mixed feelings because if if Madoka's concept continues to stop witches and Homura fucks up the incubators, we might not agree with the fact that she tricked her friends and is going against their wishes... But maybe the world that she creates is a good world. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, maybe it is a happy ending. And, like, the maybe the, the idea is kind of, like, you know, the world just, like, just, like, when the incubators are doing everything, just, like, before they rewrote the laws of the universe, um, things can be good and other people can be happy and live normal lives at the expense of the, like, extreme psychic distress of these young girls, you know? Yeah. Like, basically, like, everything could be fine, but there's still going to be little girls, uh, both who are who are literal gods and who are just magical girls who are psychologically tortured for long amounts of time and even arguably eternity in, like, Homer's case, you know? Um, so I don't know, maybe it has something to say about like sort of the sorrows of the world, like falling on the backs of young women or something. Yeah. They're martyrs. And yeah. I, I think ultimately it makes it continue. It sort of thematically makes the point that good concepts and bad concepts don't validate or invalidate something. Sayaka's version of justice and the hero of justice are not good. And maybe Homura's version of the world gained through coercion and trickery is not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, I guess. I don't know. I think ultimately this show is like, it's kind of a mind fuck. It will definitely make you sad and also feel like you're tripping balls sometimes. Which shout out to the it's art also design. also really cute. Like, shout out to the, the witch design. They're so cool. It's so, I've, I've honestly, in a show, never seen such cool design. And still, yeah, and still it's like, have got not. This, like, it's like multimedia, too. It's really neat. They, they like, paper cutouts and, and watercolors. It's just, it, it really fucks with the concept of what a thing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um... Because you've got, like, and it's cutesy and terrifying at the same time. Like, little puffballs with mustaches that walk around, but it's also so paper scissors that make clinking noises when they cut together and will cut off the heads of other creatures. There's, like, a whole lot of deconstruction that can go into just each witch. 
Oh, yeah. Like, visually, like, it's stunning. And also you find that, like... And they all speak vis- German. What? They all speak German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, also with what we see when, like, Sayaka and Homura turn into witches is we see that, like, oh, the, like, sort of visual aesthetic of the witch and her labyrinth is related in some way to who she was when she was a magical girl. Um, I like that there's a very interesting point that I read about. So when Homura is turning into a witch, do you remember how she made all those tiny little soldiers? I think so. Yeah. Why? They all say, um, in German, God is dead. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. They all say God is dead. God is dot. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. Um, so, I feel like there's a, like, that sort of foreshadows the, the ending that ended up occurring. But, yeah. yeah. Well, and God is Dead is like a very, okay, it comes from a number of places, but I definitely feel like the authors of this read Nietzsche. Yeah, I mean, like, it comes primarily from Nietzsche. And Nietzsche is the, like, founder of the philosophical school of nihilism, um, which is sort of, like, existentialism without any, like, hope, basically, because existentialism is all about, like, there isn't inherent meaning in the universe, and so, like, you must create meaning, but nihilism is, like... There is no, like, there is no inherent meaning, and any meaning that you try to create, like, is therefore, like, ipso facto, itself meaningless. I I think, like, I think that might have been where he started, but Nietzsche ended up an existentialist. That is my reading of his work, personally. That is a personal... And to be fair, like, I am not in any way an expert on Nietzsche. Like, I haven't read his books, so... My understanding of nihilism is probably like very surface level. And I'm sure that if you wanted to write me a letter, you'd be like, that thing that you said about nihilism is completely untrue or whatever. But like, that's just sort of like the, a common sort of understanding of nihilism, right? Yeah, I, he definitely does a lot of the tearing meaning away from things. But he also talks about like too much compassion is a bad thing, which you could relate to the show, too. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, love is greedy. He writes a, a nice aphorism about love is greed. And wouldn't you know it, this show talks about, like, I could, I could draw numerous parallels, but consistent ones, which makes me think that they had to have had some basis. I was about to say, this show is just a Nietzschean text. Yes, you could, <laughs> you could, you could write a, you could write a paper on it. You, somebody out there should write a paper on Nietzsche in Madoka Magica, uh, a combination of German and Japanese. Um, what a what a what a trip that would be. Um, yeah, like some. Uh, I, I would like a junior year philosophy student to write this paper, please. <laughs> this is a paper I would give an A if I were a philosophy professor. Yeah. But yeah, do damn. You, I don't know. I do you have any lingering things like? It's been praised by just about anybody who's ever watched it. It is redefined what the genre is capable of, mostly because it tore the genre apart. Um, gosh, it is... 
is just so dim. We have just come so far from Sailor Moon. Yeah, like I don't think it's it's so profoundly different in every conceivable way from from Sailor Moon that you know only certain mainstays of the genre are really tying them together. And it really digs into like Chris, you were saying when we um, watched Sailor Moon that what. Madoka sort of sets out to do is say like, damn, all these girls are really young and dealing with some really heavy shit. And there are consequences to that. There are psychological consequences to that. Um, Like this can't really be good for 12 year olds, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think never trust beings that wish to give you things. Um absolutely do look a gift horse in the mouth yeah yeah, absolutely (laughs) see what the fuck is in that gift horse's mouth (laughs) many people see if it's even a fucking horse because it might be an alien (laughs) um i think some people have stated for those of you who like mecca that this show is done for magical girls what evangelion did for giant robots which is to say psychological depth which is to say that in reality they're not actually robots but you're fighting aliens who are out to destroy the planet actually very many parallels you can draw here too yeah for sure i don't know dude like that's um that's most of what i have to say about the show like be be prepared going into the show um if you decided to like watch listen to this whole episode before watching the show the opposite of what we told you to do. Just be be emotionally and psychologically prepared when watching it. Yeah, invested. And I think it's so plot-driven that once again we have trouble like saying much more than stuff about themes. But I think it's such an important point and such a nice contrast to what we've talked about previously. So that's that. Yeah. I agree. Um, I would say I definitely it's not like my favorite show I've ever watched, mostly because I found it like distressing. Um, But I definitely would say I recommend it if for no other reason for the art. It's really visually stunning. You should ponder meaning (laughs) as you watch the show. Ponder the meaning of things. And if you can continue to see things as meaningful after the show, you have vanquished or you have uh, overcome the feat that this this show sets out to make you accomplish. And then go watch like Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun because that's unmitigated sweetness and it'll make you feel better. And then you can go watch Evangelion to ponder the nature of consciousness. Why are you doing this to our listeners? Well, listen... It's going to happen. We're, we're, we're going to talk about a number of very distressing anime. I That's mean, true. <laughs> we, we could just go watch Serial Experiments Lane next. I don't even know what that is, but I. Oh. Mm, it sounds upsetting. <laughs> it's very. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's everything I have. I've been Chris. 
I've been Paige, and this has been Animates. As usual, please follow us on social media. We're at Animates on Twitter and Animates Podcast on Facebook. You can always shoot us an email with any of your thoughts, comments, concerns, questions, or if you just want to talk to us because you think we seem cool. We're Animates at gmail.com with the numeral 8 in there instead of the letters A-T. Uh, and as always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other people find the show.